Hello and welcome to Independent Claws, your anthropomorphic writing and literature podcast, episode 13, Where Did the Time Go? I'm your host, Sparf, and whoo, uh, buddy, it's been a while, huh? I, sorry, I didn't mean to go radio silent, so to speak. Sometimes things happen, and I'm not going to bore you with all the details here. Um, you may hear some jingling or some meowing in the background. That would be my cat, Flash. Um, so if he wants to be guest star, then that's great. I've got a couple of announcements here. Um, first, the Regional Anthropomorphic Writers Retreat, Write-a-thon, is back for second year. Uh, that means you're going to get to hear me talk about it somewhat on the podcast as I go along. Now, this year, my goal is between October and November, a total of 75,000 words. Most of them are going to be focused on that long dormant Veils novel that should, if I calculated out my subplots correctly with the math I learned from writing excuses, put me at a completed first draft. And once that happens, uh, the revisions and shredding of it can begin. Also, a goal that will have to precede the novel work is going to be my story for Swordmasters, which I have to hand in to my writing group uh, in a few days, and uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, as before with the Write-a-thon, there's a PayPal link that will be in the show notes and also up on my webpage at chriswilliamsauthor.com over on the right. So if you are interested in donating to RAR and encouraging me to meet my goals, please do so. It really would mean the world to me if you would do that. Second, in the time since we last spoke, I've joined a writing group. As it turns out, um, we've got a lot of local writers here in the D.C. area. A lot of us are actually RAR alumni, so we've been craving that feedback, that support structure. So, shout out and thanks to Skunk Bomb for finally taking the initiative and pulling us all together, because uh, I kept wanting to do it, and, well, when you spread yourself too thin, you can't always do what you want to do. Uh, it's been really great so far. So, I've been staring down the cold tunnel of a story that I'm writing to submit to Armored Fox Press's Swordmasters Anthology, it's really the single sort of core thing I'm working on at the moment while planning ahead and starting to get my ideas together for how this novel needs to be altered and, and how it needs to go. And I'm getting words down on the page, but it does feel like I'm spinning my wheels. Writing is hard sometimes. We know that. We hear it every time anyone talks about a career in any creative field. It's expected. It's the normal platitude. It's it's going to a church that does call and response, hearing peace be with you and automatically responding and also with you. It's just expected. Sometimes writing the necessary stuff to get to the fun bits can feel every bit as much a grind as the most monotonous day job in existence. Human beings are wired for pleasure, so as my writing has gotten difficult and world events keep pushing me farther and farther into unhealthy spirals, it gets really easy to say, well, screw that, it's time for Twitter. It's the moment that Ali Brosh describes in one of her most famous blog posts, and if you don't know who Ali Brosh is, she was the author and artist behind the blog Hyperbole and a Half. 
The entry I'm talking about right now is the one where she describes the process of trying to be a responsible adult and how she always crashes and burns. It's this blog entry that was the origin of the clean all the things meme. So at the end of it, she spirals down into a slump of guilt at not getting anything done, and then her mind rebels entirely. Work? No. Internet? Forever. And that's what happens to me sometimes. I'm sure it happens to some of you listeners out there, too. It's a human thing. It's, it, it pushes that treat button in our brain to slack off. Sometimes it's an MMORPG. Mine currently is Guild Wars 2. Sometimes it's a simpler game. I cannot let myself play FTL, because if I do, I will lose six hours without realizing it. So what is there to do? I mean, why can't we just focus and get things done before letting ourselves play? Well, the only 100% effective advice for this problem is just to do it. A bit of willpower and the resolve to sit down and treat writing like your job will yield some results. Now, other problems come into play if you aren't, say, neurotypical a depression will make it really hard to do anything but veg out and slack off for some people. It certainly has done that for me in the past. Now, sometimes you can mitigate depression yourself, but I do, again, as I've said before on this podcast, heavily advise speaking to a professional if you are able to do so. I've begun to suspect that I might have some form of ADHD, now, I know I'm certainly able to focus better when I'm on some kind of mild stimulant. A mine of choice is, like most people, caffeine. Uh, thanks to Kyle Gold, I was a pretty solid Coke Zero drinker up until they changed it out for the current abomination Coke Zero Sugar, which tastes... I'm sure I will get used to it. Uh, but I pretty much switched entirely to Diet Pepsi for my source of of non-coffee caffeine, and uh, it's pretty good. I, I'm really happy that they don't use aspartame. Uh, aspartame has a weird effect on my father's biochemistry, and I don't want to tempt fate. Um, uh, I do my best work in coffee shops over espressos. Uh, I can focus there, despite the dozens of shiny, colorful buttons that would let me launch any bit of entertainment known to humanity. But on those days I can't focus, and now there are ways to force myself to get the work done. On my phone, I've got a few options. One of them is an app called Freedom. that It sets up timed blocks for whatever site you tell it to, so that even if you pick up your phone and start fiddling with it, you won't be able to get on those big social media time wasters. Another one that I have on my phone that I especially love, and I use it more often than anything else, is called Forest. In Forest, you open the app and you set a time. Now, during that time, within the app, a little tree starts to grow in a little squared-off block. If you switch out of the app, the tree dies. And it stays there. The trees appear on a grid, and you can see those sessions in which you flit it away and let yourself be distracted because there are dead trees there. You murdered those trees by not focusing on what you were supposed to be doing. Captain Planet would be immensely disappointed in you. For me, 
word count in a setting hasn't really been a problem, although it's more lately than any other time. Um, it, it's it flows pretty easily for me. It I always manage to sit down and get a, a thousand words in thirty or forty minutes. Um, I'm a wordy writer, and that's probably more an equivalent of five or six hundred words for a person who's more deliberate and and doesn't write everything out and go cut later, which I have a trouble doing. What causes me trouble is inconsistency. Other far better authors and podcasters than I am have said you have to stick to a writing schedule, and I will freely admit here that I don't do that. I'm certain my output suffers for it. And one thing I can advise anyone who has this problem is to look and see if you're taking on more responsibilities than your free time conceivably allows for. If you are doing that, consider trimming a few minutes from each of them where you can, seeing if you can combine that into writing time. Another thing that may help is if you have a smartphone, using Word or your word processor of choice, you should be using Word for submission, but even the Notes app on your phone to write in short spurts as you have time available. Now, I do want to switch gears a little bit. Um, some of this stuff is things I've already said before, and I don't want to just start repeating myself constantly. Um, I want to talk about something that I've often had difficulty with when actually writing in terms of the story and structure. So many writers talk about how they were having just fits with this scene and it wasn't working and it wasn't working and their characters just took over and ran with it and they'll say that a story just wasn't working until their character said to them no I wouldn't do it like this here's what happened this is always difficult for me because of the fact that this seldom happens in a concrete identifiable way I can point to I'm not unconvinced that my work suffers for this. Um, from my characters, this, this distance, I think it actually weakens my writing. Um, especially since I vastly prefer a great deal of internal character development in the books that I read. It's I'm much more of a character-driven than a plot-driven author, but I acknowledge that there needs to be both uh, for the most compelling stories, even, even for me. So I think it probably weakens me. Now, something that has helped me, honestly, and this is going to sound a little weird, and those of you who have hung out with me enough lately have heard me talk about this a lot, is I've been participating in a LARP. And for anyone who doesn't know, LARP is an acronym for live-action roleplay, and I play as an NPC for a group in Massachusetts. In helping to roll out the vision that the plot team has crafted, I learned a few things about characters and interacting with them. By the way, tabletop RPGs also fill this particular spot in most respects, and in a way, so can writing fanfiction. In a tabletop RPG or in a LARP, you, the storyteller are not dependent solely upon your whims and craftiness. 
You set up the world that the characters go through, and quite literally, the characters have a mind of their own because they're played by real people with real goals and real perspectives. There's one particular thing that LARP has given me that tabletop games haven't done. In a LARP situation, unlike a tabletop game where the Game Master, Dungeon Master, or whatever they're called in your particular favorite system, can exert some degree of authority if things truly go off the rails. You can tap back some actions, give the players a second chance if a colossal blunder occurs, or if you yourself, as a storyteller, make a mistake that causes some sort of problem, you have the ability to do that. In a LARP, you really can't. Uh, actions that fall within the game rules have to stick. There are always consequences. Like in a tabletop game, if a game runner exerts their authority too much, the game ceases to be fun, and then it breaks apart. So, all that I've rambled about. How does that all apply to writing? Well, player characters in an RPG having a mind of their own are a pretty good way to get a feel for what consequences can be for decisions and for plot points. Intended consequences are those things that we usually anticipate beforehand, like a character who raises a flag of rebellion is going to be declared an outlaw by the sitting regime. Uh, that's we, we anticipate that. Unintended consequences will always crop up to surprise you in an RPG setting, and they should potentially show up in your head as you're crafting your story narrative. That same character who raises the flag of rebellion, um, you expect them to be declared an outlaw by the regime. You don't expect other people with the same worldview to turn on them and either hand them over or dish out their own summary justice. So there's an unintended consequences. If you have the ability to get involved in any kind of RPG, I do recommend it if you're having trouble letting your characters react naturally, like I do. Another way of experiencing this would be to watch or to participate in an improv theater show. Improv is a skill that I never had a strong footing in, probably for the same reasons that as a writer I can't let my characters off the leash enough. I want a measure of control, and I really should consider relinquishing that. In improv, the cardinal rule is that the answer is always yes and. It always escalates. You shut down the improv exercise the minute you say no. You are denying the other person, the scene partner, the other character, any agency. And that's not interesting to watch. It becomes a situation where the audience, or perhaps the reader, if you think of this in story terms, gets really uncomfortable because there's nothing happening other than these two arguing about the nature of the reality that they're in. It would be like if in a medieval fantasy European-style D&D setting, a wizard is casting a spell and a ranger walks up and says, no, I do not accept that that exists. That didn't happen. 
And then they, the entire game breaks down between the wizard going, no, I can show you, here is my magic, and the ranger says, no, that doesn't actually happen. Uh, it's a little thin on the analogy, I know, but uh, you get the general idea. As a writer, saying yes to your characters will take you in fascinating directions, which can be really scary if you're more a planner than a pantser. In addition to saying yes... Consider the two options that I first learned from Mary Robinette Kowal on the Writing Excuses podcast, which if you haven't listened to, I really do recommend. She brings it up more often in narrative structure than in character relations, but it can be applied in lots of ways. Scenes, she says, raise questions about, say, character goals. Often, the answer to these to propel the story forward boils down to two categories. Yes, but, or no, and. Now let's say the character's goal is to take out the antagonist's minion in order to stop him from firing off the super weapon. The question that you, the author, is going to answer is do they succeed in their goal? So, yes, but the super weapon is now set to overload and without the command to fire it will self-destruct and kill everyone on board. Or, no, and the weapon fires, obliterating the character's home city in a column of fire. These two paths present a character with new goals, new choices, and possibly a profound sense of loss or regret. Though these days I have my own opinions about Matt Stone and Trey Parker and South Park as a whole, which, I'll be honest, are less than complimentary, I will say one thing in their favor. At RAR, we watched a documentary on the process behind writing South Park, and one thing stuck out in my brain, though for a bit of time I wrongfully attribute it also to Mary Robinette Kowal of Writing Excuses. The method they use to string events together in an episode is useful for analysis. The analysis looks for moments of and then versus moments of therefore. According to them, and I very much agree, you want to minimize or eliminate moments of and then. If one event does not lead to another in some concrete, solid manner, it's an and then moment. It's someone telling you a story and just hitting the highlights, like a sixth grade history book talking about the French Revolution, giving you a couple of names, the dates, and a superficial timeline and narrative, but never really digging into the real why. A therefore moment, on the other hand, is a direct result of the previous event or action. So, for example, Simon sleeps with a member of the House of Lords, and then the Achilles Club finds itself under siege by the London police. As opposed to, Simon sleeps with a member of the House of Lords, who expects Simon to become his permanent paramour, and when Simon refuses, reports the debauchery of the Achilles Club to his allies in the local authorities. Do you see how the difference in the way that was told makes everything more clear and more compelling? It definitely weaves your story more tightly when you follow that line of thought all the way through. Okay. Uh, I've rambled a lot this time. I'm going to cut this a little earlier than usual because I want to talk a bit about the month of October. October is Furry Book Month. So in honor of that, the awesome folks over at Fur Planet have some super nice discounts going on, both on their physical books and over on their digital stuff at baddogbooks.com. 
uh, where they're offering 20% off on all their regular priced books available digitally. Since it's Halloween, uh, well, Halloween season here in the States, if you're interested in horror, there are two stellar anthologies out from Fur Planet, Abandoned Places and Bleak Horizons, both edited by Voice Spider of Fangs and Fonts uh, and Armored Fox Press fame. I have a story in Bleak Horizons, so I won't comment on the quality of my story. The rest of the stories are absolutely fantastic. So if you're into sci-fi horror, go give that a shot. And now's a great time to pick it up digitally. Uh, some other anthologies you might find interesting if Halloween is your thing are uh, Trick or Treat Volumes 1 and 2 from Rabbit Valley, edited by Giannis J. Wolf. They're a uh, half-and-half mix of horror and erotica stories, all themed around the Halloween time of the year. Also, uh, I have a brief book recommendation, because it recently came up during my critique of a story from my writing group. The book I want to recommend today is The Peculiar Quandary of Simon Canopus Artile by Kevin Frayne. Uh, the book's a fairly old one by furry standards at this point. It was released in 2010. It's a short little novella with a bonus short story included about a fox wizard who accidentally splits himself into two identical copies and his attempts to understand why it has happened, as well as to navigate the social complexities of being two identical people at once. A Quandary is one of the earlier books in the Cupcakes line from For Planet, so if you're interested based on my little description, definitely check that out. I will put some links up in the show notes to the various sales that any of the furry publishers happen to be offering, but I'm bound to miss some, so definitely check the hashtag, uh, hashtag FurryBookMonth on Twitter to join that conversation. And please, if you pick any of these books up and read them, leave reviews on the publisher's site and on Goodreads. They really help. So that's all for today. Uh, expect a few more shorter episodes to emerge between now and the end of November. Don't forget about the RAR Write-A-Thon, whether you're interested in participating or donating. Those donations all go to help fund next year's retreat. And as always, don't let anything including a tendency to spread yourself too thin, stop you from writing. <laughs>